It's the last Wednesday of the month of the quarter. We are nearly at the end of the quarter. It's going to be a great time. We're talking about all things wait times today, particularly with specific industries. So stay tuned for this. Uh, but Tony, it's just us today. No Tanner today. No, not. No Tanner. Well, that, Tanner gets a little busy. It does get busy. It's like he like has like stuff to do outside of. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, like it's almost like his job does is uh, more than just talking to the two of us. I know. Maybe. This is all I do. Just if anybody's curious, I do nothing else here except this show once a week. Yeah, all twenty six minutes of the yeah. show. It's great. <laughs> I I've negotiated the best work package. Um, anyway, that's a lie. Um, but no, it's uh, it's a good time. End of end of the quarter, end of the month. Um, it's been a it's been an interesting first quarter. Quiet in some regards, but. I think uh, a little bit different from what maybe folks expected, I think, in the freight markets. Let's just, before you get to the freight markets, Tony, let's just kind of maybe highlight where we are economically speaking, right? You were telling me a little bit about delinquencies and the, we just had a Fed meeting, kind of just where are we economically speaking? Yeah, I mean, so delinquency rates are starting to pick up on credit cards. So that's, yeah. a, that's a concern. Because and what are delinquency rates, just in case? I so it's a familiar. A delinquency is measured when someone is sick, hasn't paid, made a payment on their card within right. s- at 60 days. Sometimes it can go to 90, but typically it's around that 60 day mark. We're seeing that number start to creep up. The issue with the number one is it's quarterly, but if you start, if you go back over the past, well, 30 years, anytime that the Fed has gone through this rising interest rate environment, what you see is delinquency rates follow in the quarters after those increases. So we just saw what the most aggressive 12 month increase in the Fed funds rate and interest rates in that timeframe, delinquencies we're at all-time lows, which is a good thing, but you have to factor in yet stimulus payments, things like yeah. unem- extended unemployment benefits, things like that that really aided driving those delinquency rates down so low during really the past two years, starting about the first or second quarter of last year, we start to see that tick up. Granted, we only have it through the fourth quarter, but it's really, it's getting close to pre-pandemic levels, sure. but- that rate of the increase, I don't think, the Fed increase, I don't think it's been completely baked in yet, or we've seen yeah. the full ramifications. And ultimately, who's it hurt? The consumer and their ability to spend money, at least with credit, right? So that's right. that's one thing to pay attention to, because if the consumer's been one thing, they've been reliant on credit. Uh, I mean, you look at the rate at which they're taking on new lines or not new lines of revolving credit but extending line taking on extending lines of revolving credit their credit card debt is rising yeah. at a rate that it wasn't faster than it was prior to the pandemic and ultimately it's going to lead uh especially if you factor in higher interest rates student loan repayment things there's just constraints on the consumer that are starting to pop up that may have not been felt completely yet not really showed uh in the data but it looks like it's on the horizon for sure. And yeah. it's ultimately going to affect freight. Uh, if the consumer's ability to spend just kind of dwindles uh, like it is, and they're in the middle of this rotation, right? From goods back to services. To remember, what was economy was what? 70% services, 30% good spending prior to the pandemic. Yeah, We saw a big shift in that. Now we're reversing that shift. 
So it's it's just one of those trends, and that's why we see volumes kind of where they're at right now is that there's not as much consumer demands for goods as there was two years ago or last year even at this time. So definitely uh, some interesting stuff happening yeah. in the freight market and the macro economy as a whole. Very much so, very much so. And we'll see where it goes because right now the Fed farm rate is sitting between five and five and a quarter percent, right? It's uh, four and three quarters and four and three quarters. Uh, and five. So, okay. Yeah. So we'll see where that goes here shortly and the impact that'll continue to have on, on the economy because it, it really is a big delay between when we see those uh, rates rise and really the trickle down yeah, effect. Because the idea behind it is to slow down the economy, right? right? It is to curb demand and they've done it in the freight market to some extent but is there more room to go is i think the concerning part i think we're seeing we've definitely seen this slow down in the goods market the question is I, it doesn't feel like we've really seen this in the services market yet um at least not to the same extent so i think you know before we before I, it'll be interesting to see how much of the services market continue you know takes a takes a hit from this um as of right now it hasn't been significant you know, what, what, one thing we're going to look at today is we're going to look at volumes because we've seen volumes decline exponentially over the last year. We all know that. We've seen that. And if you've been watching our show, you've seen that quite a bit. But what we're going to look at is, are there any areas that actually increased in volume or demand over the year? And the and quick answer is yes. There are a few places that have, not a lot. Let's go ahead. We'll throw the chart up on the screen just for, for quick reference. We're not going to spend a lot of time here. You all have seen this chart before if you've ever watched the show this uh, dark blue shaded line that's today, that's year-to-date volume, you can see the tiniest little tick up over the last couple of days, likely end of quarter bump. Yeah, I mean, right. it, it's it's nothing substantial. It's, I mean, if you look at what happened in 2019, it's very similar to that. Yeah. It is likely end of quarter. I mean, what's it in on Friday? So we're talking yeah. two days left in the quarter trying to move goods off their dock because they can write it off their books in the first quarter, and that's important. And ultimately, I would expect that to come back down a little bit closer to the pink line, which is 2019 levels in within the first two weeks of April. Yeah, I would say April. Uh, sh- right now, it's setting up to be a fairly soft month. Right. You think about what's happened on the ocean. March import numbers will probably, at least on the West Coast, will probably be better than February's, just given the timing with Lunar New Year and things sure. like that. But... The impacts from that are effectively gone when you're looking at ocean shipping. Right. That number we saw ramp up past where we were pre-lunar New Year. Instead of like a pull forward, we kind of saw it wait and then deal with it after as opposed to a pull forward. But that number has come back down too. So I think that's the, the concern right now is when you start looking at kind of these upstream trends, it, it doesn't bode well for that march and may or march april and may time frame because uh which is interesting because that should be a time when you see this should be a time frame where you're starting to see ocean shipping kind of pick up a little steam to get goods here for that summer shipping season which you think of really what the end of may and what say memorial day through july 4th right prime ocean or shipping day things have to be here and in place for because you were to buy it That's and right. if they're not moving now you start factoring in transit times at 25 days delays at i mean you're looking at a month basically yeah. in transit 
not included any time that you have to do some consolidations. Yeah. So right now, if it left right now, you're talking getting here right around May 1st. Right. That's so, nice there. Yeah. So, I mean, and then getting it into the proper location. You really need short. two two months lead time to be conservative. Yeah. And point. that's the, the problem is we didn't really see a huge increase post Lunar New Year. Right suggests that there's going to be this massive summer shipping season uh, Correct. domestically, at least right now, right? I mean, produce helps drive some of that freight and whatnot. A little bit. We'll see how that, how that plays out. But I mean, overall right now, you look at this and it's uh, very eerily similar to 2019. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough environment for sure. However, that being said, there, there are some interesting areas that have increased in volume. And we, we've seen that in certain areas, right? Like we've seen... Um, like Detroit. So last last week, actually, we looked at market share and it was interesting because we saw a lot of markets that had increased in market share. Like Laredo was a perfect example mm -hmm. had gained a lot of market share, but that doesn't mean that they actually increased in true volume. Yep. Right. Because they could just mean that they didn't fall as fast. Phoenix was another great example. Phoenix gained a lot of market share, but it didn't really gain much true volume. It just didn't fall nearly as fast, especially compared to its Western uh, friends over there in Ontario and Los Angeles, um, which we'll, we'll look here in a minute. Let, let's go ahead and pull up the map just for folks to be able to see what we're talking about here. So the map that's going to be on the screen, this is the darker the blue means that true volume has actually increased year over year. So this is from a year ago today where we really start to see a big decline in truckload volumes. The red is where there's been an actual decline and the white is mostly unchanged, maybe a slight dip. So there's not a lot of blue there. Not a lot of blue. I think we knew that. But is there, looking at this map, Tony, there's really no major markets except for maybe Detroit that's blue? Yeah, I mean, I look at this and I see a lot of rural markets that have gained volume, but the difference in some of those markets is adding five to 10 tenders over the court five yeah say five tenders in a day you know loads out of one of these markets in a day is enough to say hey it's bigger than it was this time last year i mean i mean what's even some billings montana it's like what's going on over there no yeah. fast if you're from billings montana but you know but yeah but well, this is in chicago this is why you look at the market share with this right? right because if you're looking at it from both aspects you can see okay it's a small market small Small changes in outbound volume can have massive implications in terms of that percent change, right? right? The larger markets, they can change, their changes are typically smaller right. because they're coming off a higher base. I look at this and like you said, the Chicago, Atlanta, Dallas, Ontario, Los Angeles, Harrisburg, the largest markets in the country, volumes are all down year over year and they're all down fairly significantly. Yeah. I mean, so is the broader market, but those are the drivers of the broader market, right. right? You look at a Billings, Montana, whose market share market share is, I mean, we're talking point oh five percent, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look it up. It's sure. it's very very small compared to the other yeah. markets where you have an Ontario that's what four percent or yeah, same with Atlanta. So I mean, you're talking that's where this big. Why I don't necessarily put a ton of stock into some of these smaller markets growing right. at the rate they have. The one, again, that does stand out is Detroit. And I think that's going to be a trend you see. Uh, in a conversation I had last night, seeing a lot more industrial activity 
this is this was up in that Midwest area, seeing more industrial activity. And I think as a result of some of this nearshoring and reshoring trends, especially around automotive and things like that, you're going to see increased cross-border traffic in Detroit. And I think that's one of the things you're seeing here because what would be interesting is if we had this broken down by which volumes have changed, right, across the mileage van. Because if you look in Detroit, it's not a ton of long-haul trucking coming out of there. It's a lot of that short to mid-haul coming out, going into, it's a lot of automotive going across into Canada and then coming back assembled. So it, it's it's uh, definitely something to pay attention to. And then, I mean, you don't see it here. I mean, Laredo, right? Prime example. Gain market shares, lost volumes year over year, right? I mean, to be fair, Laredo is white here, meaning its volumes are mostly flat. Yeah, you know, it's it it, and and if you're flat in this environment, you're gaining Good. market share. Yep, exactly. You're gaining a lot of market share. So, Laredo has done well in that regards. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see how you know how the macro environment, you know, like you said with nearshoring, and and also if if does Detroit maintain that trend? Yeah. So one of the things I actually looked at earlier today, just to kind of see this trend, was what's going on ocean. On the ocean is we can break it down by what's going into other countries yeah. so i started looking at what's going what are teu volumes into canada to mexico compared to the us mexico has mexico and canada both haven't really suffered the same fate as imports sure. into the us and i mean that and that's going to be a surprise or not it's not really a surprise to me when you start to think about okay we'll move things into mexico do a little manufacturing, not much on it, and we can move it across. You avoid tariffs with uh, the North American Free Trade Agreement or whatever it's now. I mean, right, where you have some of those benefits uh, using Mexico and Canada as your main trade partners. Uh, but I think that's a trend that you're going to see is a lot more, and especially with now the merger between uh, Canadian Pacific and Kansas City Southern. I think you're going to see a lot more reliance on Canada and Mexico. So while we highlight the decline in imports to the U.S., it's also important to look at those neighboring countries, see what's happening there because they're all so important and they have access via rail to get into the U.S. So it's just a different, maybe it's a different route that these uh, ocean li- or shippers and manufacturers are go- using uh, overall to get yeah. goods into the US. No, very true. And that 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 particular merger is interesting with um or I guess acquisition between um our Canadian National and then Kansas City Southern. There were so I was reading about this. So that'll bring what the class row class ones down to six? Yes. Right? In nineteen eighty, I believe it was. Was it nineteen eighty? I think it was. It was either nineteen eighty or somewhere in the eighties. There were thirty three, I believe, class one railroads. So there's been a lot of consolidation from the class ones. Yeah. Uh, let me rephrase. There were thirty three class ones at that time. So there's been a lot of consolidation, and we we're now beginning to see some of that con- that we're seeing that continue. But it'll be interesting to see if the truckload market has that same trend here over the next twenty thirty years. We're already seeing it somewhat, and I, I think they can benefit yeah. in some regards. I think you'll see some of it. Uh, the difference in the rails and the truckloads faces the barriers to entry, right? A little harder. It's hard. I was about to say, it's really difficult to go and lay down a rail line and quite expensive. Mm -hmm. So we've got the, bring this network map up. 
Well, and I'll uh, real quick and just to kind of show that this, how vast this network will be, right? It'll be a direct line from Chicago down into Mexico, uh, but it connects all three. And, and I think that's going to be a trend that you're going to see. Uh, I mean, where does it cross in the, in from, the, um, uh, from Mexico to the U.S.? Right in Laredo. Right yep. So that's why I think this Laredo market yeah, is going to be so, it already is important. I think it's going to become yeah. increasingly important. And that's why I think Detroit is also. Is that another up. crossing up there between, is that Ontario and Detroit? I've, I'd have to look at it a lot closer, sure. but maybe something similar to that. But, but I think, again, yeah. yes, it, it does go into Detroit, but. Uh, or right at the border. The auto industry has quite a lot to gain from this, I think. Yes, for sure. They've, they've got quite a lot to gain from this. Yeah. Well, one thing, I want to talk about wait times here in a minute. So there's a, there's a data set. We, we don't talk about this a lot on Sonar, but it's going to break down to wait times at warehouses uh, for trucking companies. We're going to talk about the impact that that's had over the last year. Before we do, though, um, have to make an announcement. Um, in June, we are having our future supply chain again. If you were last year, it was at uh, Northwest Arkansas. Um, great time, great showing. This year, it's going to be in Cleveland. In fact, the after, I believe one of the one of the events is going to be hosted at the Rock and Roll Center Hall of Fame. Yep. Great. Um, and we're having our uh, buy one get one deal that ends uh, Friday. Friday. Yeah. So you can buy a ticket, get another one free. Great, great deal there. Buy one for you and a friend. Split the cost. It, it's going to be an, an amazing event. It seriously highlights up and coming technology in. In the industry. Yep, absolutely. And I think it's going to be, you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, it's, I think last year was great. I mean, and it sets up for F3 as well, right? Having those, you get supply chain as a whole, and then you get more freight related things. Yeah. It, it's, it really is the best of the best. You're going to hear from, I think we have two keynotes scheduled right now. With Sonar, gonna, we'll, be, we'll there. be there. Yeah, Every day with Sonar. Okay, there's two days. But still, with Sonar. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it, it'll be two days full of great content. Yeah, and, so and, then, Sonar. and like you mentioned, yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is going to be Rock and Roll pretty Sonar. sweet. We're going to have some really great guests on with Sonar. Um, okay, I'm going to go to the big screen. I need to show, we need to break down wait times real quick uh, for everybody. Um, okay, Tanner. Kind of give no. give folks a quick little breakdown of what what these what wait times are. So no, no, this is the time that we a truck is waiting at a receive sh or a receiver or a shipper's facility, and, and ultimately it's an average of how long they're sitting there. When you think about it, typically right at that two hour mark is kind of baked into a load. So 120 minutes is kind of guarantee or. It's kind of that free time given to, to load and unload. You look at this and we'll bring it up over there. Some of these facilities, certain manufacturing verticals, uh, definitely have longer wait times than that national average. And it, it makes things difficult on a carrier. Yeah. Uh, because ultimately they only have a set number of hours they can drive. And if they're sitting there waiting at these facilities, it's eating into those hours that they can drive. And what do they want? They want to be driving because they make money by the mile, not by the yeah. hour. Yeah, you don't, you don't make any money sitting around. So this is, this, this is all in minutes. So if you see 118, 157, that, that, that's how many minutes carriers are waiting at the facility either to get loaded or unloaded. So draw right here, you'll see this, this box right here. This is for the United States. 118 minutes 
is the average, just under that two hour mark, like you said. So shippers are getting them out just in time to avoid paying detention. But that's, that's terrible. Two hours is not good. Okay, that's a lot of time to be sitting around. And while it looks like it's closer, the, the bands here that you see, the left number is the 52-week low. The high number here on the right is the 52-week high. It's at 118 minutes. Really, the range is between 115 minutes, 125 minutes. Not a big range for the national average. This really hasn't gotten much better over the last year. It's still pretty bad, which is interesting considering how much available capacity there is. You would think maybe service, it would be a little easier for these shippers and receivers to get this stuff out and moving, but maybe they have a little bit more uh, a cushion to work with now because, you know, they, they there's so much capacity. But let's call out a few. The one that's doing the best right now is actually uh, home improvement retail down there in the bottom left, 82 minutes. Who's home improvement retail? I mean, it's your companies like Lowe's, Home Depot, Tractor Supply Company, and the like. So right. definitely doing a good job. And it's close to that 52-week low. So a signal to me with these. And it's down, too, from its high of 113 minutes. That's a big drop. Yeah. And the, the signal to me with these is it's almost like they, this is where you see have supply chains improved uh, yeah. and that are become more efficient. I think this is a measure of efficiency in there. How fast can you get a truck loaded and unloaded and in and out of your your location? And 82 minutes, I mean, you're talking an hour to get it loaded or unloaded. It's pretty good, uh, especially when you factor look at some of the other uh, industry verticals that we have on that chart. Uh, right. Definitely yeah, uh, an improvement. Better. Yeah, I mean, and then I look at automobile manufacturers. Yeah. And so machinery is at 90. We'll give them the honorable mention. They've done very well down from 158 minutes a year ago. Yeah. That's a big improvement. So I'd say they win in terms of most improved, uh, number two on the list in terms of in terms of currently. So very good there. Big losers here, let's take a look. Distributors, 157 minutes, only down from 164 is a tie. Not a lot of improvement. Who do we think of as a distributor? It's, I mean, that's that one's that, pretty broad. broad. Isn't it? Yeah, that one's pretty broad. I'll look down at food distributors, right? That's where you can get- Yeah, food distributors, 151. Yeah, you get into some of those CPG companies and the like, they get, I mean, there's some nuance that goes on with them. It's not necessarily all drive, van, freight. Uh, so right. it can be a little more challenging. A little bit there. of cold stores floats in there. Yeah, so so that does play an impact because if you start looking, it's the ones that were on the improvement side, right? Yeah. We're talking home improvement, automobile, industrial machinery. Most of that is just dry fan freight. Uh, yeah. So auto manufacturing has also done well down. It's at its 52-week low of 96 minutes, down from 127. Yeah. So Soft drinks, though, I think is is a big loser right now. Yeah. 138 I mean, minutes and near its 52-week high. I was going to say. In that food category. Yeah. And I think you look at these, those three in particular, and- all their 52-week lows are over that two-hour mark. Yeah. And I think that's the concern is why are they not as efficient? Why is that efficiency struggling right now? Uh, is it because there's demand at these places that they don't have the staff and labor to move trucks through their, through their facility faster uh, and turn them around? Or is it, hey... We'll get to it when we get to it, uh, and there's not this huge, massive rush. Uh, I think that yeah. 
One of the things that can factor into these numbers is, is it a labor issue or is it a, hey, we're just not in a hurry uh, and basically wasting the the driver's time in this, in this instance? I, I struggle a little bit with that just because you might be right. It could be a labor issue, but like, again, we look at auto right down at 96 minutes is down from its high. It's status for the two week low, but we saw earlier that Detroit has seen some of the best volume growth of all the markets in a down market. Yep. So clearly there's demand there and they're able to handle it. It's not affecting theirs. Now, maybe they've done a better job with, you know, hiring and whatnot, but yeah, I mean, it, it is it a priority. Again, it comes down to the efficiency and, yeah. and the what's a priority and how efficient can you be? And there's obviously winners and there's yeah. ones that still have a ways to improve, especially when you're talking what almost 45 minutes longer than the net yeah. average, something like that. Not great. Not great, yeah. folks. Well, we're nearly at the end of the time. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, that different data set. Um, remember, future supply chain in June and also the free PL summit coming up, up as well next, next week, week, right? Free PL summit next week. So tune in for that. That'll be a virtual event. The future supply chain in Cleveland is in person. We will see you very soon and we're off.